gun. I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm going to start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research department. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. That Veronica Vaughn is one badass freaking fighter. Hello and welcome to uh, what are we calling this? Uh, West versus Paul yeah. versus Paul versus Predator. Man, yeah. I feel like if we were another podcast, we would have just redone that intro. Probably. But I'm just gonna roll with it. I'm yeah. just gonna roll with it. Also, you I know realized what? our title of our show, West versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, sounds like. Uh, matches that you might find in the movie Mortal Kombat. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if uh, wet Paul W.S. Anderson himself was in this movie fighting off against... Uh, Wes Anderson? Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, like what would their move set be? Like would Wes Anderson's <laughs> be just like he makes you look at a really detailed lunchbox full of items? I feel like Wes Anderson is like uh, just a complete pacifist, and uh, I, I think Owen Wilson would somehow jump in oh, it, as yeah. Dignan. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, he has that screwdriver. He would he would just poke you in the nose with that screwdriver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So this is Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, a podcast about Wes Anderson, Paul. Thomas Anderson and Paul <laughs> W.S. Anderson. Yeah. My name is Eric Anderson. Mm-hmm. And my name is Jeremy Anderson. Welcome. Hello. Uh, welcome to the family. Mm-hmm. When you're listening to this, your legal last name is Anderson. Mm-hmm. Well, we shouldn't have to tell you that. but no. you know, some, You're an some, Anderson just like us. Yeah. Some people don't know how podcasts work, so right. it's, <laughs> it's always good to <laughs> remind, remind people it, yeah. of the whole last name thing. Uh, Jeremy, we're on, uh, you know, we've gone through the first film of all three directors. Yes. And now we're in it. Now we're, I, I posted the polls on Twitter, the initial polls. So the way this works, if you're, if you're new to the podcast, uh, the, what we're doing here is we're going through the films of all of these, all three of these Anderson directors. Uh, Jeremy and I are each assigning our own ratings to the films Mm-hmm. Uh, Based but we on want a freckle, uh, freckle scale of how many Chucky, Chucky freckles. freckles each each filmmaker yes. gets. Which, yeah. if that's confusing to you, it should be. But it's because we are <laughs> uh, we started off as a Chucky podcast, right? Uh, and and uh, and we want to uh, we want you guys to be able to uh, to uh, factor into the equation as well. So if you go to our Twitter account, uh, that pinned tweet there, I've got a thread going. And it's going to have all of the uh, all of the polls. I'm leaving them up a week at a time. Uh, so head on over there and vote. Uh, four is the best. One is one is the worst. Uh, Jeremy, it looks like you know in the lead. It 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 does look like uh, it does look like people are liking Bottle Rocket the most yeah, out yeah. of the three films that we watch, I which is very fair to me. I think that's in line with our votes too, right? Like we all. I the, think so. both of us liked uh, Bottle Rocket. If not, I liked it a lot more than Hard Eight. You might have liked it slightly more than Hard Eight, but we liked it way more than Shopping. Now, yeah. But I do want to say this about each one of these directors that I think is really interesting, and that is that 
we're about to get into starting with this episode. We're getting into the sophomore films of each one of these directors, and I think we're gonna find that each director's sophomore attempt at making a film blows their freshman attempt out of the water. And I think they're kind of unique in that way, like like Rushmore, Mortal Kombat, and Boogie Nights. Like that is <laughs> that is a murderer's row compared to each director's like first film. I think the only I think the only I think Bottle Rocket and Rushmore are a little closer. Yeah, I to was going to say I think I think yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think that like Boogie Nights is just like is such a step up from Hard A and I think Mortal oh, yeah. Kombat is such a step up from shopping. <laughs> like I had so much fun watching Mortal Kombat again. I I I knew most of the film by heart. I was I was realizing because I guess I had just worn out my VHS copy back in the nineties because I, I I knew I could predict things that were going to happen in a way that was like it was almost like is this my favorite movie of all time? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. That's the thing is like it's you know the very idea of this podcast. It's like uh, we we sort of laugh at the idea of like throwing Paul W S Anderson in the mix with these two directors. Mm-hmm. But it really is like you get something like a Mortal Kombat. I haven't seen a lot of any of these Resident Evil films. I haven't seen really much of what he's done. Right. Uh, and I think we're gonna get. I like what you said. How you just you, you know you had a great time watching Mortal Kombat because like I had a I had a really fun time as well, and it was much different than my experience watching uh, anything that. <laughs> Wes, An- uh, Wes Anderson has done because oh, it's just such a yeah. completely different ball game, and I even think that like Wes Anderson compared to Paul Thomas Anderson is completely different. So it's really, yeah. I mean, we, it, it's almost this is almost like a, a a test to see what what kind of entertainment we like, you know, yeah. in a way. Yeah, I think that, or like, it's definitely a showcase of like how wildly varied film can be like tonally you know oh yeah because you have like you know you're right about what you said like it's just a completely different philosophy and outlook on film um to the point where it feels like we're doing three different podcasts at once which we kind of are you know we kind of are like we're every time we put on our Paul Thomas Anderson hat and watch, you know, a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, we're judging it by a completely different metric than a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. Uh, the, oh, word, yeah. the words you'll hear when we're describing a Paul W.S. Anderson movie are like fun, crazy, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, hot action. Words we'll, we're going <laughs> to use to describe Paul Thomas Anderson movies are like, deep heavy uh beautiful pristine you know like it's just like a completely different way of watching a film and you know i think there yeah. is something to be said about the way you watch films like you know as a as a film liker you just can't judge mortal combat ba- on the same metrics that you judge rushmore like you have no. to adapt to the thing that you're kind of watching. You just have to. And so this yes. idea that film critics can be impartial or unbiased is I think kind of like horseshit because it's like you're not going to give, you know, otherwise 
everything Paul W. Anderson does, I think he would just fail under the scrutiny of like a, a Boogie Nights or a Magnolia. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. it, it, to me, it's a different experience. It's And it's super fun in a way that gets me sort of torqued, you know? Yeah, and uh, th- see, this is why the uh, this is why the Chucky freckle is just the perfect mm-hmm. I- increment, uh, right? To judge movies by, you right. know, I'm I'm hoping that the Chucky freckle, and you know, I'm 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 a sane person, uh, so I, <laughs> I I don't think that this will happen for another at least twenty or thirty years, but I think it'll eventually the Chucky freckle will be uh, will replace. Any sort of a star rating or thumbs up scenario. I think when you look, when you look at movie reviews in the newspaper, which mm. newspapers are coming back twenty or thirty years from now, I believe uh, so. I'm calling it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of those stars, you're gonna see Chucky's face, <laughs> and you're gonna know by how many freckles are on that whether it's worth heading heading to the old. Uh, Alamo Draft House. All movie theaters are going to be Alamo Draft Houses by that point. Right. Hopefully. With fingers crossed, <laughs> they will. Now, based on our rating so far, looking at the data, what is a, a, a freckle rating that you would consider to be worth going to the movies for? So we've been going out of four freckles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it has to be, you know, like, because like shopping. I'm looking at my shopping review uh, score. It's a 1.5. I'm looking at Ball Rockets, a 3.5 for me. Hardy is a 2.75. What to you is worth going to the movies? You know, I would say it. It depends. It depends on what you're looking for, but I would say maybe a two or a 2.5 and above. Yeah, I think 2.5 and above is worth. Worth like going to the movies for, worth watching. Uh, I think I think uh, anything below two point five, you know, catch it on VOD. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Still, still watch it. Of course, of course, watch, still watch it, it. everything. Yeah, watch everything to, despite what freckle rating it's at. But but definitely, you know, drop some dough, get some popcorn, drop you know, some Jupiter, jo- drop some Jupiter. Uh, Jeremy, I I do have to correct you. You mentioned it's it's almost like we're doing three podcasts, and I just I have an issue with this because mm-hmm. to be honest with you, for me, kind of feels like we're doing four because if you go to this website, and I I might be wrong oh, about this, right. but I believe yeah. it's patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. <laughs> uh, September 2020 was Mafia Month. We closed it out with. Death to Smoochie, the famous mafia movie. <laughs> yeah, the um, most famous one of all. We did Hoffa, we did Casino, we did uh what was the uh the the um Casino, Hoffa, uh, Untouchables. Untouchables, yeah, that was the one right. I was forgetting. Um October, I think it's probably October if you're listening to this or October will be tomorrow or something. Yeah. Um October is the biggest month over on patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're doing, we're doing horror movies, Jeremy. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it. We're absolutely doing a Hubie Halloween episode. Yeah. I think that's a must. Yeah. Um, personally, I think last, last year we did the original Halloween. I think it would be fun, uh, if we, if we do an installment of the Halloween franchise every year. Uh huh. 
I don't know how you feel about that. Did we do Halloween? Did we do Halloween we on the show, or did we do? I mean, I knew we did Halloween three. We did Halloween and we did Halloween three. Oh shit! I think shit. we did okay, Halloween cool. three on the. Well, then Patreon. it sounds like we gotta uh, do two. Yeah, I was gonna suggest. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think we should kick things off with Halloween two because yeah. then. Then well, Hubie Halloween will be out, and we can, you know, I'm I'm gonna need to watch it at least two seven or, or eight. Yeah, times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of oh, course. you went you went way too low, dude. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, do you have anything? Do you have any horror films that you that you would like to do this year? I know that you talked about. Man, I'm. Uh, there was a movie you talked about with Devin Sawa when we were doing. Oh the, my uh, god! Yes, perfect. We got to do Idle Hands. Idle hands. Okay. Okay. We'll this do year idle we're hands. doing idle hands for sure. So I'm looking at the weeks in October here, and I'm saying I'm seeing if this week we're doing it's still the la- it's the last mafia month. We got we have four Mondays in October to cover. So I'm saying we do Halloween two, Hubie Halloween, Idle Hands, and that leaves one more. Yes, so I have I have two audience uh, suggestions. Perfect. Um, our buddy Drew recommended Vampire's Kiss, okay. uh, which is a movie I've, <laughs> I've been very curious to That's watch. Cage, and it sounds right? hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Brian uh, suggested Return of the Living Dead. Ooh. So if anyone, this will be this will be the I I think our last either the third or fourth uh, uh, installment of our October Patreon. So. If anyone else has any suggestions out there, I think we're going to have to do a Twitter poll. So I'll include these two. But uh, really excited, Jeremy. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in Chicago right now. The leaves have changed. It's it's nice and brisk. You Ooh. know, it's getting down to the 50s at night. Right. I I'm I can't wait, my man. I'm I can't so wait jealous to dive of you in. right now. I'm so jealous. I it's still hot as it's still well. The state's on fire. The state that I'm in is currently like burning to the ground. So I mean, right. it, is, it is hot as a uh, freaking. Um, what's the opposite of a witch's tit? <laughs> um, a wizard's ass. <laughs> yeah, it's hot as a wizard's <laughs> ass in California right now. And uh, I really just wish that the season would would start the the fall season because. And I gotta, I, I'll admit something to you, Eric. I've been celebrating Halloween since about September 16th. I've been celebrating oh, great. the spooky, scary month. I've been playing only horror video games. I've been wa- Last night, we had a little get-together, a social distance hangout at our house where we put up a, a screen outside, and we projected uh, Beetlejuice and Hocus Pocus back-to-back. I mean, we're, we're in it now, but buddy we're, we're we're in it even though the month hasn't even started i'm like i'm like completely halloween heavy i i'm so excited about hubie halloween and then two days later uh the haunting of bly manor debuts on netflix which is a follow-up to the haunting of hill house which is a show i really uh, liked on netflix uh back that's in the that's the one that everyone was like this is the scariest thing that's ever what, that's right? what i thought i mean when i watched it i right. thought it was one of the more emotional experiences i've ever had and scariest experiences I, I was watching a show for sure and uh also tonight this is not a halloween thing but i am excited about it the new season of fargo starts that's right yeah. uh you know i think i'm gonna watch that i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna get into that yeah fargo if you want to watch it on hulu for free you just got to wait till the monday so tomorrow it'll be ready oh it'll be on for for free yeah on hulu 
Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. So that. that that's this is an exciting time for shows and film and and getting getting you know just because uh I don't know how Chicago is, but California outlawed Halloween this year. <laughs> yeah. So, so just because that's going on doesn't mean we can't celebrate in our hearts. You know, this still is America. We're, we're, we're allowed to believe in anything we want to believe. And I believe in Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was thinking to you that we should eventually, we should eventually do some of the Krueger films, but uh Yeah. Um, I was thinking maybe sometime down the road, maybe in like spring or something when mm, we're like mm-hmm. far away from Halloween, we can do a month of like Kruger's or Friday the 13th or something like that. I, yeah, but, I, uh, I would love to do, um, some Friday the 13th and, and or Kruger's, uh, still never seen dream warrior, which I understand is one of the better Kruger films. So yeah, I think it's actually, I think the first one's my favorite, but I do dream Warriors is, is great. Yeah. Um by the way, I was born on Friday the thirteenth. I always forget about that. Were but, you uh, really? I was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was born at like two AM on Friday the thirteenth. So like the most evil hour. Like the hour The witching that, hour that uh that is like whenever someone looks at a clock and something bad is happening in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's when I was born. Yeah. On, the day, the Jason day, the hour of the wolf, my dear boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that explains the teeth. Uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> You've. Uh, I guess we should talk about the, the video game uh, franchise, right? Because uh, yeah, know, the franchise, the video game franchise came first, and it, was this? Now I might be making this up, but is Mortal Kombat the film? Sort of like a pioneer in the video game to film, in the in the video game film world. Like, was this sort of a big deal? Like the first one of these. So it definitely wasn't the first video game film to ever get made. In fact, in, in Street Fighter is in 1994. So, oh, there, right. like, there's a I piece just of immediately trivia. remembered the Mario movie too. Yes. Okay. So yeah, you yeah, now you're <laughs> on the level. We got uh we got the Mario Bros movie has already come out and we have Street Fighter the film which has already come out. Uh there's a bit of trivia here where like John Claude Van Damme was supposed to play Johnny Cage but didn't in order to play Guile for uh the Street Fighter movie. So he's off mm-hmm. making that while they're off making Mortal Kombat. Um let's see here. The budget of Street Fighter the film is 35 million and it made 99 million. Pretty good. Like that's a pretty good return on an investment. The budget for Mortal Kombat was 18 million. They ended up making 122 million dollars. Good god. So, when you say precedent, like this definitely set a precedent that a video game movie could bring in an incredible amount of money. And uh, while the film isn't necessarily like touted as being a good film, you know, uh, you know, when you're sipping brandy with your uh, film school buddies, you know, back in college, you probably wouldn't, you know, say dare to say this film is a good film. But is as far as video game movies is concerned, 
uh, this is something I know quite a bit about because I'm a I run a video games podcast and I'm a big fan of video games. This is one of the better ones. This is one of the mm. ones that remains, uh, I guess, a little bit more faithful to the source material. It keeps things light, fresh, and fun. It's sort of like a really well executed version of this, I guess. You could look at the Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins as being like one of the worst executions on a video game property, right? So it's like incredibly not faithful to the source material, really weird and taking big leaps where they shouldn't have taken big leaps. Mm. Uh, the movie's also really ugly. That movie was a had a $48 million budget and... Uh, Box office was thirty five million on that, so it didn't quite <laughs> didn't quite do as well. Uh, what is your history though with Mortal Kombat, Eric? Uh, the game or the film or anything? Yeah, I played. You know, uh, I played a lot of Mortal Kombat. Was Mortal Kombat also on Genesis? Were there were the Mortal Famously. Kombat games? Oh yeah, it Great. had blood. In Ge- the Genesis game, had blood, real blood, and uh, the Super Nintendo version, they like. They like uh, turned all the blood to uh, like white and and, and called mm. it sweat. <laughs> okay, <all laughs> so right. you were punching the sweat out of people. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember because I was a I was a, a, a Genesis household, but my buddy who I hung out with all the time, they had he had he had two brothers and and uh, they had they were a Super Nintendo household mm. and I remember just getting into like Mortal Kombat tournaments over there because it'd be I'd go over there and there's auto- automatically like three people over there always perfect that were playing video games so I'd get over there and we we'd, we'd just play I don't remember which one we played um, I want to say like Mortal Kombat three or four like one of the third or fourth one maybe <laughs> Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 is arguably the best Mortal Kombat game that came out that console generation. Um, And then beyond that, you know, I think the series kind of has some trouble finding its footing. And then as of recently, and I mean the last five years uh, or, you know, five or six years, Mortal Kombat got rebooted with uh, 9, 10, and now 11 is the newest game. And people love them. So the series is back in action. Oh, great. Mortal Kombat is on people's minds these days. What is it? What do? What are people playing it on? Uh, you can play it on anything. On really, like I think a lot of people play it on their PlayStation fours or Xbox ones. But they have. But I think uh, Mortal Kombat Eleven is available on the Switch. So, uh, yeah, you can play it anywhere. Just on about just about any um, console or PC. And I haven't played Eleven, but I have dabbled in the other two the nine and ten games and they're great they're uh, awesome graphics it's kind of like a throwback to the original series it plays a lot like the original game um yeah it's fun i you know i will say that like mortal kombat's not my favorite fighting game but i Hmm. really like the lore of it like i like the characters and i yeah i I like the aesthetics of it and the and the lore and uh yeah, I think I I think I would agree with you. I always got my ass kicked. Like I was mm-hmm. never good at Mortal Kombat. Yeah, ever or any fighting game <laughs> yeah. like this at yeah. all. I'm a Street Fighter guy. Like that, I I owned a copy of Street Fighter Two Turbo on the Super Nintendo growing up. So I just that's sort of mo- more my vibe. Uh, but Mortal Kombat was all was like the cooler one. 
That was like the cooler yeah. fighting game growing up. They had blood and fatalities and, you know, the ninjas were so novel at the time. Like everyone wanted to be Scorpion or Sub-Zero for Halloween. Everyone. I'm a, you know, I'm a clay fighter guy. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, you play Santa in Clay Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, wasn't there like an Elvis character? Or there something? was an Elvis character, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm sh- assuming you saw this movie a bunch of times as a kid as well. Oh, or yeah. No? Oh, my God. Yeah. So I saw it in theaters, even though it was supposed to be really violent and it was rated PG-13 or whatever. And even though I was like, oh, man, 95, I would have been eight years old, maybe nine years old. My, my parents took me to see it. I absolutely was obsessed with it. I thought it was so awesome. And uh, I bought it on VHS when it came out. And I, I probably... I wore that tape out. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I This was a staple. I did not see it in theaters. Because um, this was... It was PG-13, right? It was. You would have been maybe... Yeah. What? How old would you have been? Yeah, I was five? like six or something. Yeah, six or yeah. five. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, but I did, you, you know, my friends and I tried the trench coat thing. Didn't work. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> three of us stacked on top of one. Just yeah. a really, a really, um, a guy who just like doesn't know how to walk. Right. Who really <laughs> yeah. wants to see Mortal Kombat his, by himself. His spine is absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but this was like a staple at, uh, you know, uh, sleepovers and mm. i've seen this movie a million times i right. i was like immediately just every single scene i was i could almost once i started going i could almost quote it as i was watching it um there you go just like yeah. me yeah it, it, it was it was sort of like riding a bike where you were like oh yeah like i i would i remembered certain moves that when the characters would make while they were fighting Yes. I'd be I'd be like, oh yeah, this is the part where Ryu jumps in the air and kicks a whole bunch of times. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so Mortal Kombat, uh let's see here. Um so nineteen ninety five, directed by Paul W. S. Anderson. He's still going by Paul uh Paul Anderson That's at right. this point. Uh, written by Kevin Droney, uh, who wrote for TV before, uh, a show called Highlander and some other stuff. Uh, stars Robin Shaw, uh, Lyndon Ashby, Bridget Wilson, and Christopher Lambert. Mm-hmm. Uh, loose adaptation of the early uh, entries in the fighting game. Uh, first installment of the live-action Mortal Kombat films. Uh, there is a sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I don't think Anderson did that one though, right? No, he didn't. I think he might have produced it, but I, he did not. Um, yeah, he did not do the directing of it for sure. Uh, let's see here. Was filmed in Los Angeles for the most part, and some some of it in Thailand. Uh, shooting locations in Thailand were accessible only by boat, so cast, crew, and equipment had to be transported on long canoe-style vessels. Just like in uh, the movie. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so apparently there's a novelization of the film uh, by a guy <laughs> named Martin Del Rio. We're going to do a podcast I- on those novels <laughs> next, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, I always put this out. Uh, you know, our, our beloved listener, Dad Wears Glasses, uh, during our Child's Play, uh, our Chucky series, uh, he, he sent us in, a, a copy of, uh, I believe, the novelization of both Child's Play 2 and 3. Oh, yeah, um, that's right, yeah. So I, <laughs> we did a couple episodes reading from... Man, we, we the original plan I think was to read the entire thing. The entire thing. thing. And, we uh, promised our <laughs> listeners if they sent us yeah. the book, we'd read the whole thing. We, we didn't say how long it would take though. So, right. uh you know. But uh if anyone, you know, sends this to us, we'll we'll read some excerpts or something. <laughs> yes, uh, of course. Yeah. Ed Boon, uh, co-creator of the original video game Mortal Kombat, starred as the voice of Scorpion. So now we're just getting into random uh, uh, trivia. The film's soundtrack went platinum in less than two weeks. That's insane. I mean, that's one of, that's my favorite. If I could own uh, any vinyl album that I don't have, mm-hmm. it would be Mortal, Mortal Kombat <laughs> score. Oh, dude, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, um, this this soundtrack, the soundtrack for The Matrix mm-hmm. and the soundtrack for the Godzilla movie with Matthew Broderick uh, mm. are to me the, the definitive soundtracks of the nineties. Like those are the best um, movie soundtracks of that, of that time. Cause for, for like for my money being a kid in the nineties, like they just had the best songs on them. The Matthew Broderick Godzilla is like your graduate. It's like my graduate, yeah. Where yeah. Matthew Broderick <laughs> is the Dustin Hoffman character, and Godzilla <laughs> is Mrs. Uh, Robinson. Yeah. Uh, this bad boy premiered August eighteenth, nineteen ninety-five. Received mixed reviews from the critics, with praise towards its martial arts sequences, atmosphere, exotic locations, and production values. Whereas the performances were criticized. Uh, Mortal Kombat spent three weeks as the number one film. In the U.S. box office, it was uh, it was doing eight times better than this number two, which was the Babysitters Club. Wow. Let's see here. Uh, just like a couple of the casting. So Cameron Diaz was originally cast as Sonya Blade, mm-hmm. dropped out due to a wrist injury. Yeah, uh, that's and, a crazy uh, movie, by the way. <clears throat> the one where we get. Um, Cameron Diaz as Sonya Blade. Yeah, yeah. Also, the the movie where we get Sean Connery and or Danny Glover as Raiden. They were both. Oh wow! Considered for the role, Danny Glover as Raiden would have been sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robin Shoe. Sorry, not Elizabeth Shoe. Robin Shoe. Woo. Uh, Tom Cruise and Johnny Depp were also considered for Johnny Cage as well as Jean Claude. Uh, let's see. I don't think Johnny Depp would have been very good as a Johnny Cage. I think Tom Cruise would have been perfect, actually. Um, yeah, Tom Cruise would have been good. I think also John Claude would have done a good job. You know, I, for another podcast, I ended up having to watch Bloodsport recently, and that movie oh, great. and Mortal Kombat are like it's very clear Mortal Kombat. You know, derives a lot of inspiration from uh, Bloodsport. I know that according to Wikipedia. It derives a lot of inspiration from Enter the Dragon, which it definitely does. But I think the whole franchise of Mortal Kombat is sort of directly ripping off Bloodsport. Have you ever seen Bloodsport? I don't think so. 
it's all it's a tournament it's like a tournament to the death where all these fighters from around the world come and try to win kumite which is to me exactly what mortal Kombat is it's the same thing except mortal Kombat has some more fantasy elements to it but it's set up almost the same way and the films are both structured almost the same way where it's just a series of fights that escalate until you get to the final boss kind of fight hmm well, that is how I got. That's pretty much exactly how I got to be co-host of this podcast. Exa- yeah, totally. Yeah, sort of. We had to fight so many. We had to, to fight death. Joe Rogan. We had to fight, <laughs> uh, you know, Mitch and Nick. Uh, it was a yeah. bloodbath. We we had to. Which, by the way, I uh, I started total this total sidebar. I started um, listening from the beginning to to Doughboys. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's so funny how serious they're taking it at the beginning <laughs> and how like nice they are to one another because uh-huh. <laughs> if you listen to like newer episode they're just like tearing into each other all the time mm-hmm. it's very combative relationship anyway uh mortal combat what do you say we dive into the plot That's <clears throat> uh mortal combat is a fighting <laughs> tournament between the representatives of the realms of earth and out outworld <laughs> Conceived by the elder gods amid looming invasion of the earth by Outworld. Pretty self explanatory. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. If the realm of Outworld wins Mortal Kombat 10 consecutive times, its Emperor Shao Kahn will be able to invade and conquer the earth realm. Simple, easy to digest, nothing complicated about it. <laughs> I will say, uh, don't think as a kid I like ever even knew or cared about the backstory of like yeah. why these people are fighting what's happening where the anyone came from or where it takes place yeah um uh, the script yeah. for this film mm-hmm. i'm gonna say is really an interesting exercise in how do you dumb down something that i think is a little too complicated i think the backstory of mortal Kombat is just a, it's like one too many weird things going on at once uh but the script is so good at how do we communicate this to children? Like, yeah, nobody yeah. in the film ever once uses a big world, a big word at all. Oh, I will say, watching this movie, this movie is like one of the first movies I watched where I felt like I'm an adult. When like going back and watching it now, it's that's so silly because this movie's obviously for children and right. it's. Uh, you know, just even though it's P, like even PG thirteen is like, uh, no, this is for kids. But, oh, it's uh, so for kids. Yeah, it's it's for violent little weirdos. That's who it's for. But it made me feel so like I shouldn't be I shouldn't be able to watch this, but I am. Yeah, and uh, it made me feel like very sophisticated in a dumb way. <laughs> and and you were because you were <laughs> sipping wine out of your baba. And uh, sort of like you had gold-plated diapers at the time. You were a sophisticated child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wearing diapers at thirteen. Uh, <laughs> Shaolin monk Liu Kang and his comrades, movie star Johnny Cage and military officer Sonya Blade, are chosen by Raiden, the god of thunder and defender of the Earth Realm, to mm-hmm. overcome their powerful adversaries in order to prevent Outworld from winning their 10th straight Mortal Kombat tournament. Jeremy, what do you think of uh, Johnny Cage and Sonya? Okay, so 
I could I can kind of tell that this Wikipedia is is it doing a, it's doing a good job of like kind of explaining the plot without really we're not really going through the movie per se. So right. uh, first thing first um and I will answer that question but what did you, how did you feel about the beginning of this movie? Like the very beginning is like almost like a music video for the song <laughs> and it's just like the logo be in like fire. And, yeah, it gets yeah. it got me amped up yeah. immediately. You get hyped. Cut to uh what's his name? The the uh Oh, Shang Tsung killing Chan in fr- in Liu Kang's dream saying your soul is mine. And then Liu Kang wakes up, he's sweating his ass off, you know, just having mm. a, a nightmare. What this whole beginning like what it, I mean, to me, it's just a hype train. I'm just getting absolutely torqued the whole time. It really locks you in right away, and it it, it works on me. I got and it and it doesn't like it's not like the uh, um, the suspense just kind of like stays level. Like it gets more it gets more suspenseful for me, even watching it now and having kind of forgotten a few things. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. it's great. Cause like, I don't know. I, I think, uh, the whole movie is like intense. Like pretty much every moment is intense in some ways. Uh, yeah, I think it does a really good job of setting up clear stakes that are mm-hmm. pretty high. Like, d- like death is at stake. It's not like, um, you're gonna, it's like anyone who enters a match of mortal combat, one person leaves alive, one person leaves dead. So that is, that immediately puts you in a position where you're like, I don't know, man. Anyone could, anything could happen. So then after the intro, we get this, we get like the intro of all of our fighters, right? So that's our Liu Kang's intro. Mm-hmm. Then we get, uh, I believe next is Sonya Blade. And yep. it's the, we're at like a cool rave, a mid 90s, oh, just yeah. industrial Nine Inch Nails rave. And uh, she's got shotguns. They're in Hong Kong for some reason. I don't know how Sonia has jurisdiction in Hong Kong, <laughs> but but right. her and Jax, her partner, are like, uh, you know, shotguns going into the you know the place, shooting up guys. And we get our introduction of Kano, uh, who is Sonia's adversary rival. He's a guy with a cyborg plate over his eye he's australian yeah so Uh what what was your feelings on uh on this intro to sonia and intro to kano because i thought that this was this was kind of a badass way to do this yeah sonia sonia is one of my favorite characters in this big big fan of, of, of sonia and and you know obviously like the sort of Billy Madison connection when I was totally. a kid I was like can't believe uh, <laughs> Veronica Vaughn is I get to yeah. watch her like kick some ass it's great right uh, but yeah I like her character a lot I think uh, yeah I think it's great I think I think it's great and very fun Kano to me I mean I as soon as I saw Kano like sitting there I think there's a little bit ahead but when I think of Kano it's always that scene where he's e- just got that huge feast in front yes, of him. He's, he's eating like that eating chicken. like a turkey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah turkey leg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's uh, I-, I love the way he's introduced and, and, and that character. I think I mentioned this on the, uh, 
I probably mentioned this when we've talked about the Sandlot, but um, my same group, my same friends who uh, who I would play uh, Mortal Kombat with. Uh, they had a fenced-in backyard, and their neighbors behind them, directly behind them, had a dog. And every once in a while, when we were playing kickball or whatever, a ba- the ball would go over into, into their yard, and we would never get it because they had just this incredibly like vicious dog. Oh like I, I'm sure it was actually like probably nice. Sure. Uh, but it was it was very scary looking, and it had one red eye, so we called it Kano. Really? Um, yes, but it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a Sandlot situation because it was like no one wanted to go over the fence to get the thing because of the dog. The dog was scary, and then I remember one day we like finally saw the owner one day come out of the house, and she called the dog in for supper or something, and we found out the dog's name was Lucy. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that like totally demystified that dog for us. And we're like, <laughs> oh, it's just a dog named Lucy, and it wasn't scary anymore for whatever reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, awesome. Anyway, awesome. Uh, where are we? Uh, well, each of the three. Yeah, we're at we're at uh, Johnny Cage. So Johnny Cage is the last yeah, fighter yeah, yeah. we will introduce, and then we could. I th- I feel like then we could like move right along with the plot because you know. Once we have all those people set up, it kind of just the the film kind of just goes. But Johnny Cage is an actor. He's in he's a he's like a big. Uh, I I think that he was supposed to be kind of like a Chuck Norris. That's sort of like yeah. what his like his celebrity status would have been. And he's known for his fight scenes. Which, by the way, uh, this kind of actor uh, doesn't really exist in the same way anymore. I was realizing watching this. Like, right. we used to get yeah. really excited about the action star who did, like the Jackie Chan, who like did all their own stunts, uh, or Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris. And these days, I, can you do you know anybody who uh, like who's an American who is like known for doing all their own stunts and being like a, an, an actual hmm. martial artist. Cause I know Tom Cruise is like pretty close, right? Where he like does a lot of his own stunts. There's all those videos of him, like jumping out of airplanes and stuff. But what, uh, as far as like an American martial artist, like, do you, can you think of any? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. No one come, no one comes to mind. Yeah. Right, I, mean, uh, I feel like we just, right we now. had a ton of them back in the day, you know? Uh, yeah. In the '90s, that was like a big time for that. And then I, I feel like you know this kind of star, this kind of movie star, doesn't really exist. So, anyways, we we get this scene where he's kicking ass on set, but it's all kind of faked, right? Because it's a movie, mm-hmm. and he's you know upset because his his uh, his reputation has been sort of that he's a faker, that he doesn't do all of his own stunts, and that uh, he's not an actual real martial artist. So, you know, his whole beef is that he's going to prove himself that he's actually mm. like a good fighter. I think Johnny Cage is actually he you know, he's supposed to be sort of the comedic relief of the film. I think he's pretty good. <laughs> I think the actor's yeah. pretty good, and I think like his, a lot of his dialogue ain't that bad either. Yeah, he's like uh he, he's annoying, but he's like supposed to be annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. as far as like his dialogue go, and just his character's personality, but he is cool. Like his, his the way he fights and stuff. Like, right? Yeah, I like this guy. I like. I I think it's good casting. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Each of the three has his or her own reason for competing. Liu seeks revenge against the tournament host Shang Tsung for killing his brother Chan. Sonia seeks revenge on an Australian crime lord Kano. Cage uh, seeks to prove his martial arts skills. We already talked about this. At Shang Tsung's island, Liu is attracted to Princess Katana. Katana, my man, I gotta say. Might be my favorite character. Very cool. Um, Shao Kahn's adopted daughter. Uh, Aware that Katana is a dangerous adversary because she is the rightful heir to Outworld and that she will attempt to ally herself with the Earth Warriors. Sung orders the creator, uh, the creature, reptile, to spy on her. Hmm. Yes. I can't read today. <laughs> yes. Reptile. What an insane part of this whole film. Uh, ugliest looking piece of CGI I've ever seen in my whole life that it back is, in the day I thought looked so awesome. <laughs> I, yes. I I still think it looks awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it definitely in the way where I'm like, I know that this could be done way better. Oh, dude. Today. Yeah. Back in the day, <laughs> I thought it looked so real. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's cool. I mean, uh, that is something where I'm like, it is sort of hard for me to judge this movie objectively. Sure. Because, you know, I just feel like a kid again when I'm watching it. Because it does kind of look stupid. (laughs) Well, it just, I think it just is outdated. Like, I think for the time, these actually were really good VFX. But I think now when you look at it, it's like, it's so it looks like a gif <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. but again i i agree with you i find it to be completely charming but it's still like it's like so funny to look back it's like playing really watching this was like playing an old video game to me where you're like this doesn't look good it plays just okay but boy am i having a good time <laughs> um um so oh, oh wait 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 so so now that we're in Outworld, what do you think of the set design of this movie? Um, it kicks ass. <laughs> I love it. I, I was uh, kind of shocked at how and how big and opulent and like it really cool is cool. Yeah. The sets were like this movie is eighteen million dollars, but I don't know how it's that cheap because it looks like it looks really expensive. They're all those statues and like you know all those extras and stuff like it just looks like really big a lot of candles a lot of candles, candles. All over the a place. lot of food wasted in that uh banquet like that kano scene <laughs> yeah 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 um do you think the pas just like took that food hut where we're just like eat living on that food for like the entire month yeah afterwards. yeah it was a real tiger king situation where the director would just throw <laughs> that food at the at the pas to eat for for supper <laughs> um yeah uh let's see here caged uh lou defeats his first opponent and sonya gets her revenge on kano by snapping his neck uh yes. cage encounters and barely beats scorpion so when I think of this Mortal Kombat uh, movie, I pretty much specifically think of 
Cage and Scorpion right. facing off in, mm-hmm. I mean, just iconic. Just it's in this iconic. like uh, wooded area, and then Scorpion like drags him to hell, basically. Yeah. Oh, and they yeah, battle baby. it out in hell. Like, and, that's and the fights one are of the coolest good. things ever. The fights yeah. are really good. Like, they're really choreographed well. So, like, in hell, you know, they're fighting precariously on, like, a bridge, a wooden bridge. And you just see, like, the dust falling off of it when they hit the ground. And, yeah. and you know, like, that wooded scene is really cool, too. And that, like, he's using the environment to sort of put Scorpion's little uh, rope... A lizard thing to its paces like he's mm. he uses it to its advantage until he can finally get it stuck in a tree and kind of eliminates that weapon from scorpion um i don't know yeah you're right it's really cool and like the way scorpion gets killed is like really epic and satisfying you know he uh, Johnny Cage uses a shield to slice open his stomach and then slice off a part of his head and you just see him like screaming and on fire and, and then he explodes it's like the craziest uh, just like what is the anatomy of Scorpion like what is his anatomy what is his body made of that he explodes when he's cut <laughs> open <laughs> no idea Yeah, but uh, I hope that happens with me I do too uh, yeah I hope it happens with you too Lou engages in a brief duel with Katana, who secretly offers him uh, cryptic advice for his next battle. Very sexy Lou's next fight. opponent is uh, Sub-Zero, whose defense seems untouched because of his freezing ability until Lou recalls Katana's advice and uses it to kill Sub-Zero. She, he throws water into the ice, for, uh, ice bubble, and it just forms a perfect uh, icicle and just stabs Sub-Zero right in the gut. Goodbye. I always hated playing uh, Sub Zero in the game. Oh, you did? Why? He, he freezes you, doesn't he? Oh, you play? Yeah, you you hated fighting him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, playing as him was kind of fun. I liked like, I like freezing the ground and making you slip on the ground. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good move. Yeah, uh, Prince Goro enters the tournament and mer- mercilessly crushes every opponent he faces. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of yeah. Cage's peers, Art Kyleen, uh, is defeated by Goro as well and has his soul taken by Shang Tsung. Yeah, uh, Sanya worries that they may not win against Goro, but Raiden disagrees. He reveals their own fears and egos are preventing them from winning the tournament. Yeah, we should probably mention at this point, like Raiden, the guy who plays Raiden is Christopher Lambert or Lambert. He is uh, the Highlander famously Mm. um and he his performance of this in this movie i would say is probably um (laughs) one of the more like uh it definitely deserves like a razzie award like it is one of the weirder performances i've ever seen of anyone in a film like he's so clearly supposed to be an asian man like an like an east asian man like he's like he's he wears that that like I, uh, hat that hat and, uh, and stuff yeah. but instead he's a french canadian man <laughs> who is like he's so goofy and he's just really chewing the scenery the whole time i i would say that this movie actually even though i like love christopher lambert's performance and i love him in this movie because of nostalgia i think the movie would be better if he was not if he was cast differently 
I think the movie would yeah. have felt like a lot less silly because he brings a silly energy to it that really takes the piss out of a lot of what's going on. Like he <laughs> yeah. comes in and he'll just start laughing at for no reason at stuff. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's uh it's a weird interpretation of what Raiden in the video game would be like. In Highlander the- is insane, by the way. I remember like those situations when you're a kid where you somehow for whatever reason end up watching tv at like four in the morning right, yeah. uh I, I remember i would just see like some highlander and mm-hmm. just be like what like what is this and what how is this how is this possible what is yeah what is what is this show i love that uh despite sonya's warning cage comes to sung to request a fight with goro uh, the sorcerer accepts on the condition that he be allowed to challenge any opponent of his choosing anytime, anywhere. Uh, Raiden tries to intervene, but the conditions are agreed upon before he can do so. After Shang Tsung leaves, uh, Raiden confronts Cage for what he has done in challenging Goro, but is impressed when Cage shows his awareness of the gravity of the tournament. Yeah. I like, by the way, Cage and Sonya's scene together in like where the backdrop is like a sunset. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, don't you do this to protect me, Johnny Cage. I like, I love, uh, like the performances I think are just pretty good. I like, I like Johnny Cage being like, I know what I have to do. I got a plan. Don't worry about it. He's like, he's like very subdued. It's like, you can see the character change in Johnny Cage over time. Like he's less of an egomaniac at this point. He's like, he's like, taking responsibility and he's deciding like okay i think i got a plan and a way to fight goro i'm just gonna do it to protect my friends yeah um cage faces goro and uses uh guile in the element of surprise to defeat the defending champion that's a weird sentence that should have just been cage punches goro in the balls (laughs) (laughs) uh sometimes i wish that we could get the wikipedia editors on these episodes at the end just to ask them yeah what they were thinking why did you Uh, leave out the ball punch uh now desperate uh sung takes sonya hostage and takes her to outworld intending to fight her as his opponent knowing that his powers are ineffective there and that sonya cannot defeat sung by herself raiden sends lu and cage into outworld in order to rescue sonya and challenge sung in Outworld, Liu is attacked by Reptile under orders from Shang Tsung to prevent him and Cage from rescuing Sonya, but uh, eventually gains the upper hand and defeats him. Do you think that's the uh, best fight in the in the movie? Like the the most like I don't know, cool looking fight, the Reptile one? Or I mean, I guess I mean if you not minus the Scorpion fight. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, I think aside from the Scorpion one, I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, this one to say. me was like a really good heightening of like, you know, all the fights mm-hmm. have been kind of one way and w- at one level of intensity. And then this to me was just like Reptile, like <laughs> Reptile gets thrown into that statue. And when he gets up, he is so furious. <laughs> like he oh, yeah. gets up so fast and just starts kicking and punching immediately. Like, there is no chill to reptile at all. He doesn't waste time. He's like, he's he's really insane looking. When, and like, there's a point where he jumps into the air, and every single one of his limbs is just flailing wildly at Liu Kang. Like, there's not even seem doesn't even seem to be like an order 
or a or a tactic to the way he's fighting. He's just like complete id going after Liu Kang. I really liked that fight. I really thought it was good. <laughs> it's a good fight. It's a good fight. It's uh yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, afterward, Katana meets up with Cage and Lou. Uh, she reveals to the pair the origins of both herself and Outworld. Uh, Katana allies with them and helps them to infiltrate Sung's castle while advising Liu Kang about three challenges in the castle to face his enemy, himself, and his worst fear. Uh, inside the castle tower, Shang Tsung challenges Sonya to fight him, claiming that her refusal to accept will result in the Earth Realm forfeiting Mortal Kombat. Uh, this is, in fact, a lie on Shang's part. All seems lost for Earth Realm until Katana, Liu, and Cage appear. Katana berates Sung for his uh, treachery to the Emperor as Sonya is set free, claiming that his arrogance and greed will cost him the tournament if he doesn't honor his deal. Uh, Sung challenges Cage, but is counter-challenged by Liu. During the lengthy battle, Liu faces not only Sung, but the souls that Sung had forcibly taken in past tournaments. In a last-ditch attempt to take advantage, Sung morphs into Chan. Uh, Seen through the charade, Liu renews his determination and ultimately fires an energy bolt at the sorcerer, knocking him down and impaling him on a bed of spikes. Uh, Sung's death releases all of the captive souls, including Chan's. Before ascending to the afterlife, Chan tells Liu that he will remain with him in spirit until they are once again reunited. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, the warriors return to Earthrealm where a victory celebration is taking place at the Shaolin Temple. The jubilation abruptly stops, however, when Shao Kahn's giant figure suddenly appears in the skies. (laughs) When the emperor declares that he has come for everyone's souls, Raiden declares, I don't think so, and the warriors take up their fighting stances. Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I don't think so. Classic. Classic Mortal Kombat. It go honestly, Eric. It goes like this every time. Freaking Earth v Outworld. You just can't keep this dirty emperor out of the freaking tournament. No, I've been trying to for years. Shao Kahn. Woo! That was the movie you know before we get into our last thoughts about it i do want to mention that i have seen mortal kombat annihilation but only one time and that's that is the sequel to this it Mm -hmm. starts with have you ever seen it eric i have not okay the film starts exactly in this moment like it starts exactly where this film leaves off like literally shao khan says you know your souls are mine or whatever. And then Raiden says, I don't think so. And then they get in their stances and they all start to fight something. And Johnny Cage dies immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, in the first three minutes of the movie, Johnny Cage dies. They just kill him. Great. Uh, It is not a good movie. It's a very, very bad movie, but it has all the rest of the Mortal Kombat characters in it that are not in this movie which i like that this film keeps to the original cast of characters 
So wait, where when Annihilation came out, was it pretty recent after for this one? I think it was Yeah, let's see. Let's see when it when it came out. It was like a couple maybe a couple years later. I remember that Mortal Kombat Annihilation, yeah, it's 2 years later. So, mm. I'm 2 years older. I I remember it being um the first movie I ever saw where I could tell this wasn't a good movie. <laughs> okay. Like like my parents had taken me to the theater to see a movie. I have I never didn't like a movie when we saw it in the theater. I just thought it, I just thought everything was awesome. Uh, yeah, this was the first one where I walked out being like, "That could have maybe been better." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Eric, I do want to hear though from the horse's mouth, nay nay. What did you think of Mortal Kombat 1995? Mortal Kombat, and we're we're talking about the 1995 one mm-hmm. directed by Paul Anderson, Paul later Anderson. to be known as Paul W S Anderson. Yes. Uh. Hmm. Well, you know, I <clears throat> I I mentioned that it's hard for me to be objective about it, but I'm pretty cynical about uh I think action movies, especially like modern action movies. I think this movie, I think the fact that that this movie can keep me that engaged as engaged as I was as a 31-year-old man, uh doesn't matter if I've watched it as a kid or not. Uh I think is uh I think it's a testament of a good movie. I think this is a great movie. I I mean listen, there's you know, I think story-wise maybe uh there could be a little bit more uh I mean, I guess the stakes are kind of high, but there could be a little bit more like character development or whatever. But that's also not what I'm coming to the Mortal Kombat film for. I'm pretty much essentially watching that movie to see uh, characters that I know from a video game do their cool moves oh, yeah. uh, with the uh, the effects of the time. And uh, yeah, I don't. Know, I think this movie kicks ass. I'm gonna give it uh, out of four Chucky freckles. 3.5. I'm going to give this a 3.5. Oh, my Freckles God. Out of four. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Jeremy, not? what Why about not? you? Um, I was really blown away with how, how little my opinion of this movie has changed over 25 years. You know, it, re- it really hasn't changed much. Like I really liked it when it came out. Um, you know, and I, I even remember, you know, as you grow up, you're like, okay, this is a little silly. It's not, you know, this ain't no, um, you know, freaking Oscar, Oscar contender. But <laughs> by the same token, I, I find this lore really fun. I like the world. I think they really nail the, the spirit of the video game, which I think is really hard to do. Um, and that's all you can really ask for. I mean, I think like the cast is really fun. I, I really don't have a lot of complaints when it comes to this movie. I kind of think Christopher Lambert is a little, a little, a little too silly, but <laughs> on the other hand, they, they, it kind of makes up for it with like, you know, 
some of the Goro stuff being so scary and Scorpion being so scary, Reptile being so scary. Like, there's a lot, you know, and I feel like, especially after having just watched watch Bloodsport again, mm. I'm like, this is as good as Bloodsport, I think. It's a good tournament movie. I mean, tournament movies are like a genre that I'm not super familiar with, but, you know, I, re- I, I know uh, Enter the Dragon and I know Bloodsport and I know this and I... I feel like this is like, it's kind of up there. In fact, I think the world of Mortal Kombat is more fun than the world of Bloodsport. I'm going to give this film a, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, let's go ahead and give it a 3.25. I'm going to give it a 3.25. Not quite as high as yours, Eric, uh, but I was originally going to give it a 3, but I think after this conversation... It, it bumped it up to the uh, 0.25 for me. Um, I'm interested to know if another Paul W.S. Anderson movie gets this high of a freckle score from me. I hope so. I hope, you know, I hope it I'm will. I'm rooting for him. I am too. I you know, There's a couple of films on this list that I am kind of excited about. And one of them is Event Horizon, which is one that we're going to be watching yes. in the next few weeks. I think still, well, while October is still going on, which is a scary uh, movie about being on a ship, a ship, <laughs> a ship going into hell. So yeah. I, you know, that one to me, I'm, I'm, I'm the most excited about seeing. Um, but yeah, that's that's my score, and I'm sticking to it. I can't wait, Jeremy. I cannot wait to start watch. I think tonight I'm going to watch Halloween 2 because that's how excited I am to, to just get into the oh. Halloween spirit. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, if you don't hear from me again, it's because Michael Myers killed me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That is very um, vague and threatening. I, I really hope that you're okay after watching the film. Uh, do we know where that is that streaming is that readily available on like sh- at least shutter or something i think it is on shutter with uh yeah let me, let me, let me double check though let me uh, do a little oh it's on hulu and amazon prime oh it is on hulu too oh okay yeah mm-hmm. so looks like it's available everywhere that's great yes and this is the 1981 halloween 2 for clarification right uh, this is halloween 2 Yes, this ain't no Rob Zombie one. Yeah, yeah, it looks like that's the one that is available. Yeah. All right, Uh, (laughs) let's see. Jeremy, anything you want to plug before we sign off? Just get on that hot Patreon, baby. Hop on. The water is good, as they say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Oof. Thank you.